Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, I'm Marisa Jones, and I'm the host of Women CEO and Reflection, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Neil Haley. Today we have a guest that I am really inspired by, and I've reached out to her for support when I've needed help in the workplace. Um, Linda Crockett is the founder of the Canadian Institute of Workplace Harassment and Violence, the first full resource of this nature in Canada. Linda is a survivor who created this service to help all professionals, industries, and communities impacted by this form of abuse. She works with leadership, individual employees, investigators, mediators, and even therapists to help bridge the gaps, offer appropriate services and abuse in the workplace. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you for having me, Marissa. I'm looking forward to talking with you. This is great. So tell me a little bit about um, about your journey and how you got to uh, starting this organization and how long you've been doing it. Well, it's a very long story, so I'll make it very, very short. After 22 years in my own profession of social work, which provided me with all kinds of training and experience in all forms of abuse, I suddenly hit rock bottom uh, being bullied in a workplace, in a professional setting, a healthcare setting, and I had no idea what was happening to me. And so the reason that I didn't have any idea was because nobody was talking about bullying. Nobody trained us on prevention, intervention. Nothing was happening at all out there in the world. I went looking for help. And actually the first four therapists I saw made me worse. And it was the fifth one that actually helped me. And then I started to realize I needed to get my own recovery. 22 years, I knew how to, I knew how to do recovery work. But the problem was when I first feel, discovered that I was being bullied, and I didn't see the signs, I went full of shame. Like, you know, I, I went into isolation and, and I, I shrunk. And I was, I had suicidal ideation. I, I was so skinny, I, I, none of my clothes fit, my hair was falling out. I mean, this was really impacting me physically and mentally. And it was in, you know, I'm a tenacious Scotsman and I'm in, isolated in this office and I'm thinking, you know what, this is what they want. They want me to isolate. They want me to shrink and shut up and disappear. I need to do the opposite. So I, I got my recovery and I decided to go back to school, get my master's degree, specialize in this area. Obviously there was a huge gap in services and I decided to create a service to fill those gaps, to identify the gaps, to bring language to people, to start training people and to start protesting and doing petitions and marches and candlelight vigils to get legislation so that we had safety and we had some rights in the office for psychological safety. I just I mean thinking about thinking about how it work, how you can be bullied by, you know, higher level people or other people at work. It can be such a horrible thing, a horrible situation you go through. It's 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 gotta be painful and stressful. I've had work situations where I've had bosses that literally have put me under a lot of stress. That's why I'm a self-employed entrepreneur. I was like, forget that. I can't deal with that anymore. But it's so terrible that people that have to deal with this on a regular basis. It is. 
And, and you don't expect it. I mean, you think it's not like childhood bullying. You think when you go to work that you're safe, we're all mature, right? We're educated. We've got policies and procedures to protect us. We're not watching our backs. And all of a sudden, these subtle cuts, uh, these subtle underminings, these behaviors, for example, we're all familiar with the Jekyll and Hyde theory. We know that in front of everybody, they're wonderful, but behind closed doors or something else, Mine happened to be a female, so I called her Mary Poppins versus Godzilla. But I mean, <laughs> in front of everyone, I believe she was Mary Poppins. I thought she was amazing. So when she was screaming and spitting and accusing me of things behind closed doors, it's crazy making. And you begin to think it's your fault. You think there's something wrong with you because it's, it's easier than to think that this is really happening. You know, maybe I can fix it if it's my fault. The truth is you can't fix it. If you're in a true blue bully situation like I was, I was in a mobbing situation. It was a psychologist who bullied me, a social worker, a pastor, and two HR people. We don't expect that to happen from these professions, but oh boy, yes, it does. Everyone can be bullied and everyone can become a bully, any profession. So it is even more devastating because we think that we should, uh, we don't expect it. We're not prepared for it. We don't know what to look for. We don't know what to do about it. But I, I started thinking about what about doctors who misdiagnose their own children, who don't see signs of illness in their own children or, or police officers whose children are arrested. That makes them feel shame too. But we can't be silent because of this. We need to speak up and we need to share and we need to help other people because I worried about what about people who didn't have my education? If I, I barely survived, what about people who didn't speak English as a first language? If, if it almost took me down, I almost jumped off that bridge. What about them? So that just, that just created all this force and power in me to do something about it. And I also did not want my grandchildren or my children to go through this. It's bad enough that our kids are getting bullied at school. We don't want this to happen in the workplace too. Yeah, that's so important. I, I've been in a situation myself, as you know, because that's how I found you on LinkedIn. I was searching for help because I was ashamed. And, and it was like, what did I do wrong to get wind up in this situation? Um, you know, being told off the record that they're just waiting for me to leave, right? <laughs> like that's how, it, it, and, and you just think you're going crazy. But there's not a lot of organizations doing that. And as adults, um, you know, we get into panic mode. What do we do? I can't, I can't just walk away. I have responsibilities and stuff. Um, so I think it's really great right. what you're doing. Um, but at the same time, right, you're, you spend a lot of energy doing this for other people. What do you do to maintain good mental health, uh, given how much you have to have to give to other people? Well, you know, over the years, it's been almost 11 years, and I mean, I've heard thousands of stories, and eventually, you know, you start to, to be able to cope with that better and better, but then there's times when some of them still, they really get to me, they get right into my soul, and I've got to take some time out, I got to back away, because it's hurting my soul, my heart, what I'm seeing, it's so awful, this torture that good men and women are experiencing. And I just have to back away and, and have my cries or, or, you know, just take a weekend away or even a month. Sometimes I've had to take a month off. I have to practice what I preach. I have to walk my own talk. That's kind of my daily mantra. Am I? 
because my clients are watching me, right? My, my children are watching me. My, my, my colleagues, my volunteers are watching me. And if I'm not practicing, what am I preaching? Well, what are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing. We always work too much. We do too much. So every one of us needs to know that somebody's watching you. So are you practicing what you preach? You know, like I want to eat the chocolate and the chips and, and and have a drink or or lay in bed for days. I gotta fight that and eat right and sleep right and go back to listening to music or painting or whatever it is that makes my soul and my nervous system happy. I have to fight that urge to self-sabotage when I'm in stress mode because that's what we do. We turn there, so we're guilty of that. So I have to own that and do the right thing to take care of me, journal take a new class, yoga, acupuncture. There's just so many things we can do for self-care and find out what's right for us. Practice what you preach. If you're, you know, that leader that is inspiring others around you, you better be following your same advice as you were talking about and showing yourself. So you try to make sure that that brand is out there too, right? In ways of, uh, how you put yourself out there to the public that you're really doing what you're trying to teach on a regular basis. Is that correct? Absolutely. But also just, and that's about being authentic, right? You know, I, I'm right. just human. Like I, I can only do so much and I have to set boundaries too. And it, even though I'm an anti-bullying, anti-harassment specialist, I'm still getting bullied or stalked or harassed even in my position today. So I still have to follow what I preach to other people and take those steps. But I'm authentic. I'll tell people I can't take this. I, I've got to back away. You know, this is my nervous system is starting to react. And, and I think it's really, really important for people to learn about their nervous system and understand their own nervous system and how it shows up. Anxiety, panic. Um, listen to your body. That's the best advice that we could we could start to really practice here because too many of us, and I can tell you just about every client I've ever had, targets of bullying fit this profile. So uh, Marissa, we don't <laughs> listen to our bodies. Right. You know, our bodies are saying we're burnt out, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed. We don't listen. So we're guilty of that. We got to own that. I do a lot of that work myself these days, and I do, I've incorporated a lot of that into my program for my clients is having that awareness of what's going on in your mind, your body, and your emotions behind that, and just really getting into that analytical mode, what's creating that. Um, So that's really great. Yeah. So you probably come up with a lot of resistance because you're trying to change legislation and you are changing legislation. Uh, while in, in the work that you do. So you probably come up with a lot of resistance. Uh, what are some of those challenges that you've come up against? And do you ever want to give up, right? <laughs> Did you ever just go, this is too much, I'm done? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh because, oh, yeah, yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> I, have, I have many challenges. And, and let, let's say, like I said, I've been doing this for almost 11 years. The first six, seven years, I was brushed off. I was laughed at. I was minimized. I was ignored. I mean, even students in my own master's degree class would laugh at what I was planning to do. And that was a real challenge because nobody really took this seriously. And then finally, when things got to be much more seriously, then it, then people started to feel maybe, maybe threatened by the work I was doing. There was competitiveness or whatever. 
And I really, I really emphasize that you need to have the qualifications to do this job. You can't be somebody who's been bullied and now I'm going to help everybody else. You got to have recovery. I was diagnosed with PTSD. There's no way I could do this work if I still wasn't, in, if I, if I hadn't recovered from it, right? So you have to, you have to commit to your recovery with or without justice. That's an important piece that you need to know. You have to commit to your recovery with or without justice. Don't wait for justice to start taking care of you. So some of the challenges, I just had one last week and I want to share it with you because it's fresh. I was teaching a class of lawyers and you're going to have some really great lawyers that are on board with this. I used to have none, but I've got, a, I've got some really great lawyers that are on board with this. But the, board, the ones that are not on board, one lawyer asked me, Linda, don't you think that by teaching about this subject, you're making it worse? <laughs> yeah, just take that in. It's 2022. We have legislation in, in our province of Alberta, in many provinces in Canada. We have federal legislation in Canada. It's the awareness has grown internationally. It's not going away. And I have a lawyer saying, if you're teaching it, you're making it worse. Like to me, that just blew my mind. That thinking, that old boys club, that old girls club stuff is very challenging. And employers who want to just sort of give their, their employees a one hour webinar, tick the box. OK, we met the requirements. That's challenging because you're not learning trauma informed information about psychological hazards, which is psychological harassment, psychological violence. You need the trauma informed in-depth training. What is also frustrating is that we don't have investigator standardized in their practice. Every investigator should be trauma informed, right? Because we're talking about a psychological injury. We're not talking enough about the psychological injury here, the mental health. <clears throat> I, saw, I saw statistics like 51 billion to our economic costs of mental health. Just imagine if we did this right, if we addressed cases of bullying right, how much we would save. So investigators, mediators, human resources, leadership, staff, every single person should be trauma informed when we're talking about psychological hazards. Well, they don't, the, the companies don't realize that. And I, I remember in my situation that the, the HR team, they were, they were more apt to support the organization than they were the individual, and I wasn't the only one. And, um, you know, th there was a situation at that same company several years prior to me where someone committed suicide. And yeah. I know the family is, is trying to sue, and, you know, I can't really talk too much about that, but, you know, there there's no accountability, right? Because the mental health aspect is important. And the message is always, well, you can just quit and leave, right? You can just find another job. That's not always the case, right? No. It's not always the case. And even if you do decide to leave, why should you have to deal with the res the resonating mental health impacts, the depression, the, the, the suicidal thoughts, the PTSD? I know for me, I literally was, would get anxiety just reading new job descriptions that when, yes. you know, when I was in the beginning of my journey. Yeah. Because I was like, ah, oh, just the thought of having to go back to another job like that. Yeah. Um, because you don't know what you're going to walk into. 
That's why recovery is so important because you don't want to carry this into your next job and all your reactions are absolutely normal. Of course, you're going to have anxiety with other jobs, but accountability. Yes, we have to make employers accountable accountable. So we have we need policies, procedures, legislation that gives has a little bit of teeth in it. And then we need follow through. So we need to educate our staff so they know what to look for and how to report it properly. We need alternating uh, reporting processes because sometimes the bully is your boss or the HR or the safety officer or the union rep. You know, so we have we need a lot of things put in place. So we've got a lot of work to do yet. Uh, some of it's working and some of it's not. I do see progress and I do see change happening. And I'm very happy about that. But we have a long way to go. And I also want to mention to you that sometimes I work with the perpetrators, like they, the employers will send them to me on a mandatory basis once an investigation is substantiated. So I get to learn some of their stories. And of course, the narcissist, psychopath, sociopaths will not come in and see me because there's nothing wrong with them. But right. I'll see the ones and those ones are not hardwired bullies, so they can change. Absolutely. But we have to make them accountable to change. Right. So that's the employer's job. Follow through on your policies and procedures. But I will find out cases that there might be a mental illness, there might be an addiction, there might be having an affair in the workplace. So sometimes they don't want to be accountable because they're hiding something like somebody might be extorting money. They might have uh, be guilty of bullying themselves or scared of opening a can of worms. And and yet they're making it worse and they're costing is costing them millions and their reputation. So you might as well bite the bullet and train your staff and do things right. Have you ever had a situation where a workplace bully came to you on their own and just said there was no investigation and they just came to you? What, can you talk about that? Well, I have had cases where people will come to me and say, Linda, I think I might be a bully and I want you to assess me maybe, you know, because I don't want to get in trouble. Now that right away, that pleases me. <laughs> it's like right away. <laughs> I know you're not a true blue bully. Now, maybe you've got some abrasiveness or some incivility, some, you know, some, some behaviors that need to soften. So I'm proud of that person for coming in. I've even had people in a, in a group of like 40, put their hand up two or three and put their hand up and say, yeah, I think I'm a bully. Well, uh, that's astonishing, right? Like, you know, right away, no, you're not. <laughs> so you might have some stuff that we need to look at. And so, no, a true blue bully come to me? No, it has to be forced. They have to be mandatory because they, they don't come in. I get five or six hours worth of excuses and minimizing and justification and blaming to cut through in order to get. So no, not a true blue bully will not come in. But I have other, I've had other people come in and say, for example, one guy said, I belong to this group of men. They're from my own culture and they all bully and abuse their wives. Now I just got married and I really like my wife and I really love my wife and I don't want to bully an abuser. But if I don't treat my wife the way they are, I'll get kicked out of this group. It's my culture to abuse my wife. Wow. I don't want to. Be no, no. <laughs> my uh, solution to him was to go talk to his cultural leader and see if that's true which he did, and no, it's not true. That just happened to be the culture of this boys club, and he needed to make a decision whether he wanted to belong to that or not. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, all right, one final question. Uh, where, what would you give, what advice would you give to someone who is in a wor workplace bullying situation? Like, what's the starting point? Well, the starting point, it depends on what stage they're at, right? Because everybody's going to have a different case. It's a different, unique for everybody. So the early stages, 
Read your policies and procedures. Know what your organization expects of you. Is there legislation in your wherever you live? Is there? Be informed. You can, if you're unsure that you're bullied, if you're confused, which is often the case, then call Occupational and Safety. You can do it anonymously and, and run your case by them and say, do you think this is the case or not? You can call Human Rights or you can call an organization like mine. And, and I'm in Canada, but there's organizations like mine all over the world. So if you want something close to you, then let me know and I'll tell you who to reach out to because we are building resources around the world. So nobody has to ever sit and be the struggle in that crazy place anymore. If you feel harmed, most definitely reach out for help by someone you feel safe with. Talk to somebody, avoid isolating. And number, I've got to put this up there with number one, document. Even though you might be sick of documenting, the minute you feel in your gut something's not right, document. Keep that documentation off-site in a safe place, one binder at home. And then look up on my website because there's tons of resources there. There's books. There's, there's all kinds of videos. Learn what you can and ask for help. That's great advice. What's your website? workplaceharassment.ca. All right. Well, thank you, Linda. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show and thanks for sharing all that great information. And thank you for having me. I'm happy to. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.